Thank you, gentlemen. That was well done. Well, I thought because it's the 1st of December, it would be appropriate to talk about Christmas. So let's talk about Christmas. It seems to me that uh, usually every year around this time, uh, we start hearing discussions, whether it's right or whether it's wrong to celebrate Christmas. And so we probably ought to begin by saying or asking, is it right or is it wrong according to who? Is it right or wrong according to who? Now, as Christians, I think we want to know what's right and we want to know what's wrong according to God. And so that's where we turn to the Bible for answers. Now, there are some questions in life that can easily be answered from the Bible. And there's no argument. There's no question. Uh, But then there are some things that we must look at very carefully from different angles in order to determine, is it right? Is it wrong? Is there a problem here? And the subject of Christmas sometimes falls within these, these, um, uh, these walls, these guidelines, this last category. Um, someone says, well, what does it matter? What does it matter as long as you're sincere? Um, in itself, that argument has problems with it. There's been examples of many people who have been very sincere and yet done really bad things. We don't have the time to go into them. I'll tell you, um, many, many years, decades ago, decades and decades ago, when we were ministering in our first church in the Ottawa area, we had a couple attend our church. He was 28 and she was 50. Think about 50. And she was from Canada. He was from Jamaica. And as we got to know them, they're married couple, as we got to know them, we found out that she went through a very ugly divorce that broke her heart. And so this would have been a a couple of, no, maybe a year or so before. And so she decided she was going to go with her sister and get away from it all and have some fun in Jamaica. And while she was there, she met this nice guy. And so he really wanted to come to Canada in the worst way. So they got married. And they came to Canada and they were both very sincere, but it wasn't that long before they were busted apart. He left her. Um, Was it right or was it wrong what they did? Boy, you know, I'm afraid to even answer that. Um, They stand or fall before the Lord, not me. But being sincere really isn't, isn't the answer when it comes to you know, the question, should we celebrate Christmas or not? Just being sincere is, is not enough. There's just not a simple answer to the question. There are other factors involved that must be examined. And so I thought today we would just sort of pull the bus over for a little while and, and examine this idea, this subject of, of Christmas. So let's bow our heads for a word of prayer, shall we? Our Father, with all our hearts, we love you and thank you for all of your kindness and goodness to us. And you're such a wonderful Heavenly Father. We can hardly wait for the happy day to be in heaven with you and to bow before your throne. Lord, we thank you so much that Jesus came. And it's that time of year we call Christmas. And Lord, please help us and give us wisdom as to what we ought to do here 
because there are some uh, decent Christian folks out there saying that we ought not to be uh, celebrating Christmas. And then there are other good, decent Christian folks that say we should be celebrating Christmas. Lord, what's the answer? Help every one of us here to find an answer to that question so that we can be fully persuaded in our own hearts. And we'll be careful to thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, I suppose one of the best things we can do is look at some of the arguments against Christmas. And one of the very first arguments that people level against Christmas is that they claim it's pagan. P-A-G-A-N, pagan in its origin, and we should have nothing to do with it. A number of years ago, I got a copy of a little pamphlet here put out by a man who's now dead, long since dead. His name was Herbert W. Armstrong, and he had a thing called the Plain Truth Magazine. And he put out this little pamphlet here, and um, the Plain Truth About Christmas. And so he went through his... Um, his arguments here, and his very first argument is he claims that Christmas is pagan. You say, where does he get that from? He, apparently, he got it from the Encyclopedia Britannica. This has been his major source, the Encyclopedia Britannica. By the way, uh, Herbert Armstrong is long since dead, and I'll tell you right up front, his uh, religious organization was a cult because he believed one of the marks of a cult is that they believe everyone else is wrong and they only are right. That's one of the marks of a cult. So watch out about that. And he was a cult leader. And he started this thing and he was wildly successful. And um, he and his son pioneered this thing. And then he and his son got into a big argument. And then they split. And his son went one way and he went another way, each saying horrible things about the other, uh, why each other was wrong. By the way, it's the same with evolution. Did you know that there's actually three types of evolution? Not just Darwinian evolution, there's two other types of evolution. And the funny thing is that each one of these systems of evolution prove conclusively that the other two can't possibly be right. You got all three proving that each other is absolutely wrong. And that's, as I say, one of the marks of a cult. And that's what he did. He founded the Worldwide Church of God and I think also it was called the Church of Tomorrow, something like that. Anyhow, these days, I believe it's called the Grace Communion International. So just be careful about that. We once had a, a dear family in our church that got deceived by the teachings of Armstrongism and ended up leaving the church over it. So be careful. Uh, they're sly. They're slick. But um, uh he was dead set against Christmas. And that's one of the, the things about cults is that they find things that they're dead set against. And that they, they say, you ought not to be part of this for these reasons, because it's pagan. They love the word pagan. They love to throw around the word pagan. Our Jehovah's Witness friends loved that word too. Oh, what you're doing is pagan. It's pagan. This is pagan. That's pagan. It's a favorite catch word for them. You know, I wonder sometimes why it is that the people who are crying the loudest against Christmas really are not the Christians. They are the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. They are this Armstrongism, which is still going strong today. They are the Seventh-day Adventists. Uh, they are the atheists. It's not the Christians 
that are crying the loudest foul against Christmas. It's the cults and the unbelievers. And sometimes we Christians, we get, you know, we say, oh, well, maybe they're right about this. And they say something that we've never heard before and we haven't researched. And so we say, oh, maybe they know what they're talking about. Well, do they really? How much of the Bible does an unsaved person really understand? How much of God does an unsaved person really have? So you almost have to step back and consider the source. Consider the source. Where is this coming from? And we find that the biggest opponents to Christmas are not the believers. They're the unbelievers. But yet they do affect some of the believers and they raise questions in our minds and we we should and properly deal with these things and not run and hide. We've got nothing to be ashamed of or nothing to be afraid of. So let's look at these things. And this one thing they say is that uh, Christmas has a pagan roots to it. Uh, I don't want to take a bunch of time and read a bunch of stuff that basically is going to educate you with nothing. But essentially, in in his little uh, book here, he says that Christmas has pagan uh, origins. And uh, because, because of that, then the Roman Catholics slapped a new name over top of the pagan uh, horrible feasts and, and called it Christmas. And that's what they're saying about it. Well, something that you never hear these people talk about is the paganism of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. All those words come from pagan origins, but you never hear them decrying against Tuesday. <gasps> you should not use that word, it's pagan. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? I mean this. The first day of the week we call Sunday. But did you know that the word Sunday was named after the sun god? Did you know that? But let me ask you, do you think of the sun god when you use the word Sunday? I haven't for quite some time now. The second day of the week is Monday. It's named after the moon god or the moon goddess. The third day, Tuesday, is named after the god Tyre. The fourth day, Wednesday, was named after the god Odin. Thursday was named after the god Thor. Anyone here born on a Thursday? The sixth day, the Friday, was named after the goddess Frigg. And Saturday was named after the god Saturn. Well, if these people who say that Christmas is just pagan, pagan, why don't these people do something about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? They never do. They keep using Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, just like we do, and they think nothing of it. Isn't that hypocrisy? If they claim that Christmas is pagan, and then they, they keep on using Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in their vocabulary, why don't they do what the Jews do? They don't call, uh, they don't call it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? The first day is called the first day. That's how they name their days. We'd say Thursday. We know what we're talking about. They wouldn't say Thursday. They'd say the fourth day. I'll meet you on the fifth day. You say the fifth day from when? Well, the fifth day, you know, the fifth day. No, I don't know. What are you, dumb? The fifth day, everyone knows the fifth day. And we say, oh, Thursday or Friday. I should have said, yeah, right, yeah. Now we know. But you get the idea, what I'm saying? There's pagan origins to those names. And that's not all. 
This is going to shock you. The months of the year are also pagan in their origin. Pagan, pagan as can be. Um, January, named after Giannis, the Roman mighty one of portals and patron of beginnings and endings to whom this month was sacred. He is shown as having two faces, one in the front and the other in the back of his head. Some people are like that, supposedly symbolizing his powers. February was named uh, from Februa, a Roman festival of purification. Pagan, I tell you. March comes from Mars, the Roman mighty one of war, another pagan, pagan god. But we don't think of those, do we? Truth is, we don't think of those Roman pagan deities. We don't think of any of that. To us, March is just, you know what, the third month in the the calendar year. That's it. To us, Tuesday, you know, if Sunday is the first day, well, then there's Monday, then there's Tuesday. That's just what we think of. We make no connection whatsoever with any kind of paganism. There is no reason for us to stop saying Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, nor is there any reason for us to stop saying January, February, March. There's no reason whatsoever. So using this paganism idea of Christmas, I'm not sure it holds water. I don't think it does. Unless, of course, whenever you think of Christmas, you think of paganism, paganism. Then, my friend, don't celebrate Christmas because I have good news for you. You're not under law. You are under something far better. It's called grace. You have the grace from God to celebrate it or don't celebrate it. It's quite all right. Yeah. And you have the grace from God not to call Sunday, Sunday. Just call it the first day. Go for it. Right? You have the grace of God not to, to use the, the pagan word January. Just call it the first month. How about that? Make it simple. See, you're under grace. You're not under law. But now, by the same token, don't you go despising someone who might use the word January. Don't you go throwing stones at someone who might use the word Tuesday. And don't you go despising someone who might want to celebrate Christ's birth and call it Christmas. Does that make sense? Because we're under grace here now, aren't we? If we were under law, then there'd have to be some laws that God gave us about this matter. And if we were under laws, there'd have to be some penalties for breaking those laws. But I'm telling you today, we are under grace. Aren't you glad? Amen. I sure am. Ah, man, there's more we could say about this, but I think I've said enough. You know, if you have mental connections with paganism when you speak of Christmas, then by all means, you shouldn't celebrate it. You shouldn't. It's like birthdays. The Jehovah Witnesses say that you shouldn't celebrate birthdays because they're pagan. There's that word again. And they point in the Bible, you see, this wicked old Pharaoh from Egypt. Wicked, wicked. And it says he celebrated his birthday. And then there's King Herod in the New Testament. Wicked as can be. Wicked as the devil. And he celebrated his birthday. Well, I don't have the time here, but I could show you where Job talked about his birthday. I could show you scriptures where the Bible teaches us it's okay. It's all right. You know, everyone has to have a birthday. Is that right or wrong? Anyone here not have a birthday? No hands. Okay, so you must have had a birthday. 
And uh, you only get one, right? And everything else is a celebration of that. Say, why would you celebrate it? Well, the reason we celebrate birthdays usually is because we love that person and we think that person has made a, a very positive impact on our lives. And we're thankful to God for that person. And so we give a little celebration. Nothing wrong with that. Everyone, by the way, needs a little encouragement in life. You know that. And birthdays are one way of doing it. Well, I guess we should say, what does Christmas mean to you? If all that Christmas means to you is Santa Claus and gift giving and paganism, then maybe you shouldn't celebrate it because it might cause you to stumble. But if there are others that to whom Christmas means Christ and that first advent and the glory that God became flesh, let's not fault them for it, okay? But another argument that some people like to use against Christmas is they say, well, now, Pastor, apparently you haven't paid very close attention to that word Christmas, have you? Because you see, you got Christ, and that's good. That's a good word, right? Nothing wrong with that. No problem there. But then look what they went and did. They added the Catholic Mass to it. That's what they did, you see? So that's why we should not celebrate Christmas, you see, because it's tied in with the Catholic Mass. And I'm telling you things that people believe. Some people believe this is all their heart. And you know what? They should not celebrate Christmas then, should they? If Christmas means to you the Catholic Mass, then maybe you should not celebrate Christmas. But if Christmas does not mean the Catholic Mass to you, then maybe it might be okay for you to celebrate Christmas. Like paganism. If it doesn't mean paganism to you in your heart, in your home and family, then maybe it's okay to celebrate Christmas. But if you struggle with paganism, if you struggle with the Mass, then maybe it's best for you not to have anything to do with Christmas. I'm going to tell you something about my life. Back before I became a Christian, uh, my favorite sport was table tennis. We were loath to call it ping pong because that's what you do in the, somebody's basement. But table tennis brings the sport out into the open and adds an air of respectability to it. Table tennis. Table tennis. And I was part of the table tennis club in the city of Ottawa for a couple of years. I lost many, many games. <laughs> many games to players far worse than me, to my shame. But it was my favorite sport. And I prided myself as something of a, you know, a whiz. You know, I, my reflexes were pretty fast back then. I, I learned that and boy, I could smack that ball right into the net like, like the best of them. <laughs> and so anyhow, my problem was that uh, when I would lose points or lose a game, I struggled with it. And uh, a lot of fellows actually do. You know, when they lose a point, they get mad and they whack the table with their palate. Well, go off and play your ping pong, you know, on someone else's table. You don't want to behave like that on the championship tables of table tennis. But I did. Uh, my anger got the better of me. And so after I became a Christian, I got saved. And then uh, someone said, hey, you want to play a game ping pong? And of course, it irks you. It irks. But I said, sure. And I thought, hmm. I'll teach them a thing or two. And uh, sure enough, 
I kept hitting the ball into the net, which of course you lose a point. And I felt my anger surging up within me. And this happened for several games. And finally I, I got desperate and I got alone with the Lord and I said, I can't do this. What's wrong with me, God? I can't do this. I, I, I can't lose my cool. This is not right. It's not good for me to do this. And so before the Lord, I hung up my table tennis racket. And I said, I am not going to play this game again until at least I get victory over my anger. And you know something? It took years, years. And finally, one day, I had an opportunity to play the game. And lo and behold, I found the Lord had given me victory. And I could actually play and not get upset. It's a crazy game. Never get involved. But if you find yourself struggling with thoughts of paganism, thoughts of the Catholic Mass at Christmas, then I'm serious. Maybe for you, you shouldn't celebrate Christmas. Maybe there's something else you can do. But I'm, I'm, I'm being very sincere. I'm, being, I, I'm not trying to mock or tongue-in-cheek. I'm being absolutely sincere. If you struggle with the thought of Christmas, then by all means, just set it to one side. You're not under law. You're under grace. But I just want to remember, or want to remind you that there's a brother or sister near you that probably does love Christmas and love the thoughts of Jesus and love, you know, the thoughts of getting the family together and telling the Christmas story and maybe exchanging gifts and singing Christmas carols and things. Let them alone. Leave them be. Hmm? Let's exercise a little love and restraint one for another. Now, by the way, I'd also like to say that I am not aware of anyone in our church that has a struggle with Christmas. If you do have a struggle with Christmas, then that's okay. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. But it's just I'm not aware that you have that struggle. And I did not come up with this message just to talk to you, whoever you might be. Because you know how it works, right? Sometimes you go home and say, that message was meant for me. I know it. That pastor was looking in our kitchen window. He must have been. There's no other way he would have found out. And I'm not the only pastor that hears that from his people. I've talked to a lot of pastors over the last 40 years. And I hear that every now and again from different pastors. And we laugh and we shake hands. You too, brother. <laughs> the truth is, we spend time with the Lord. And the Lord seems to guide us in what to preach on. And after all, it is December. And so it's, to me, an appropriate subject to deal with. But, um, you know, to millions of people around the world, Christmas has nothing to do with the Catholic Mass. Absolutely nothing. A lot of people say that there is no evidence, whatever, uh, in the Bible or out of the Bible, that the early Christians ever celebrated Christmas. Now listen, I'll grant you this. There is no verse in our New Testament that says that uh, people celebrated Christmas other than maybe those shepherds who came when he was born on Christmas Day and they worshipped. Isn't that right? Boy, I tell you, if I had been alive back then, I would have left the sheep. I would have gone to see Jesus. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you have got on your knees and worshipped him? Why not? That very first, well, let's call it a, Christmas when Jesus was born 
I know there's a lot of people that argue, well, he wasn't born in December. The, the scholars say, according to the Encyclopedia Britannica, scholars say he was born maybe in April or possibly March. Some brilliant scholars say maybe even July. And that's why the shopping centers have Christmas in July sales on, I think. But listen, um, there actually is historical evidence. Listen to this. There's historical evidence that some Christians were celebrating Christ's birth as back as far as 125 AD. Now I know that takes us out of the first century and all of the apostles had died off. But in AD 125, a pastor in the city of Rome, the pastor of a church named Telesphorus, began celebrating Christ's birth. He declared church services to be held in December in honor of the birth of Jesus Christ. That's going back to 125 AD. In AD 360, Liberius, who was a pastor of the church of, in Rome at that time, is the guy apparently who set the date of December 25th. Now, whether these things are absolutely historically accurate, you and I will never know. We are just going by historical records. But some people say there are no historical records. I'm telling you there are some historical records. But listen, what if their historical records were wrong and ours were right? Or what if ours are wrong and theirs are right? We don't know, do we? Because none of us were there, right? So what do you do for something like that? Well, here's what I think we should do. Um, if you take your Bible, please, and turn to the right to the Gospel of John, chapter 10. In John chapter 10, we have a principle in Scripture. I believe that God answers every question we could have, every problem, either by a direct Bible verse or by a principle, a principle in Scripture. Um, there's no verse in the Bible that says, Thou shalt not smoke cigarettes. Okay? But there are principles in the Bible about taking care of your health. Old D.L. Moody, he... Um, back in the late 1800s, tremendous man of God. And uh, he was asked once, uh, Mr. Moody, Mr. Moody, what, uh, what is your opinion of smoking? He said, uh, they, or, or they asked him, uh, can you think of one Bible verse that uh, is against smoking? And Moody thought for a minute and he said, uh, well, he said, I... I can't think of a Bible verse that's against smoking, but I can think of a Bible verse that's for smoking. And of course, they all said, what? What is this Bible verse? And I believe the reference he gave was Revelation 21, 21. Let him that is filthy be filthy still. Now, he was just kidding. But there's nothing glamorous about smoking. Nothing glamorous. And this new vaping thing. We always knew it was bad. Now we're getting medical evidence, aren't we? Mm-hmm. People are dying because of it. Mm. Well, in John chapter 10, 
I want to show you something interesting because we have a principle here. And we'll look at verse 22. It says, And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication. And it was winter. Now this feast of dedication, the Jews still do it today. Only they don't usually call it dedication. Does anyone know what they call it? Hanukkah. Hanukkah. And that's been around now for the Jews for well over 2,000 years. It goes back to the intertestamental period when um, uh, one of the, uh, the Roman generals went in and you know, did the thing with the pig on the, the altar. Antiochus Epiphanes went in there and he slaughtered the sow, the, the pig, and spilled the blood there on, on the holy altar and so on and just aghast the Jews. And so uh, they went in and uh, after they were able to kick all the bad guys out, they had to rededicate the, the temple to the Lord. And so they did this and they had just enough oil for one day, but apparently it lasted eight days. That's why on the, the Jewish candelabra that normally has seven candlesticks to it, they added an eighth. That's why sometimes you see them with an eight, eight candlestick, because that eighth one represented the eight days that the oil lasted for. Instead of just one day, that's all the oil they had. It miraculously lasted eight days. That's why they have the eight um, stick candelabra there with all of the little candles on it. Actually, sometimes they'll add a ninth. That's one like a pilot light and they'll use that to light the others. But this feast of dedication, God never commanded them to do that. There's no verse by Moses in, in the, uh, uh, the Decalogue or in the Pentateuch or anything. There's nothing. There is no mention anywhere where God told them to do a, a feast of dedication. Was this feast of dedication for God's glory? The answer is yes. They were dedicating the temple back to God. But God never told them to do it. I guess they just knew enough to do it, I suppose. It just seemed right to them. They wanted to glorify God with this new feast of dedication. And guess who shows up at the feast of dedication? Can you guess? Jesus. Did Jesus come in there and make a, a whip like he did with the money changers in the temple and drive them out? Get out of here. What are you doing this this pagan feast of yours? Did Jesus do anything like that? Absolutely not. You see, he showed up and gave his approval. Just like what we say in, at weddings that Jesus gave his approval to marriage because he showed up at the marriage at, at Cana. In John chapter 2, that's where he turned the water into wine. And by going there and being present and part of it, he gave his approval and his blessing. Here's the feast of dedication. Jesus shows up. He gives his approval, his blessing. Listen, there's nothing wrong with Christmas if you worship Jesus. If Jesus is the reason for the season, there's nothing wrong with Christmas. That's why Santa Claus and me had a falling out years ago. I grew up with Santa. I thought he was my friend. All the while, he never told me about Jesus. Imagine that. What a scoundrel. We finally, it finally came to fisticuffs. Yes, I took a few 
on the chin, but I got the better of it and I, I booted him out. He's never been part of my life since. I don't believe in Santa. I don't believe Santa has any place in the world. And by the way, while I'm on the topic of Santa, one of my favorite topics, if you've been around here any length of years, you know the number of times I preach on Santa, right? But listen, if Christmas is so bad, why is the devil trying to get Jesus out of Christmas and replace him with Santa? Why? Why is that? Why is the, the world and the devil trying to take Jesus out of Christmas if Christmas is already bad? Just something to think about. But this argument here, I think, holds a lot of water. And I want you to see one more thing here before we finish, and it's in Colossians. Turn to the right, please, past Acts, Romans, Corinthians, and you're going to get to Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So past Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, chapter 2, and verse number 16. I want you to find it because I want your help in reading it. I want you to help me now. So what does Christmas mean to you? And honestly, if it means the Catholic Mass, then you should maybe not have anything to do with Christmas. If it means paganism, then maybe you shouldn't have anything to do with Christmas. I'll even go as far as to say, if Christmas means gifts and Santa Clauses, maybe you shouldn't have anything to do with Christmas. But if it means to you the birth of the Savior, if it means to you the celebration of His birthday and the joy that accompanies that, and put up a few decorations, maybe you ought to go ahead and celebrate it. And Colossians 2.16, read that out loud now, nice and loud with me. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. There you go. You can include Christmas in there because for us that's a holy day. We celebrate the, the birth of our Lord. Guys like uh, Herbert W. Armstrong talk about the Christmas tree and he tries to say that in Jeremiah chapter 10, it's just, a, it's just a Christmas tree with silver and gold on it and people bow down and worship it. Listen, if you bow down and worship any tree, whether it has silver and gold on it, that is wrong. If you set up a Christmas tree in your living room just so you can bow down and worship that thing, boy, I want to know about it. I'm going to look in your kitchen window one of these days. I'm going to find out for sure and I'm going to knock on the door in a big bushy beard. You won't recognize me. I'll go in there and grab that tree out of your living room and I'll just take it out and burn it on your front lawn. If you dare to worship such a crazy thing. I don't think that, uh, that these, these cults make any biblical sense because they don't know the Lord and they don't really understand the Bible. The Bible is only understood by saved people. So we should not look to the the cults and the unsaved to get our theology. But folks, no matter what people say, it does not change the fact of the nativity. 
it does not change the fact that Jesus was born. That is absolutely secure. Nothing's going to change it. And the question is, what does the nativity mean to you? If you, with a pure heart and conscience, can worship the King of Kings at Christmas time, you go ahead, regardless of what someone else might say. And I say also, and again, I don't know if there's anyone here today that has a struggle with Christmas. And if you do, listen, I love you just as much. I respect you. I won't use the, the Christmas word in front of you if, if I know that you have a struggle. Just let me know and I won't say the, the C word, the Christmas word in front of you. I'll, I'll be respectful. You know. But likewise, I think I would like a little respect in return. Now in our church, we put up a few simple Christmas decorations, but we do not ever put up a Christmas tree because there really are some good, lovely Christian people that would struggle with that. And so we don't do that. Absolutely, we don't put up Santa Clauses and the reindeer and things like that. We don't do that. But we don't put up the tree just out of respect. If there's a Christian brother or sister that does have a, have a struggle, that's why we don't do it. Okay? But what you do in your home is up to you. So the, the, the question then comes down to, what does Christmas mean to you? And that's what you should do, whether you should celebrate it or not. That's what you should do. Now, another question I want to ask you. What does Christ mean to you? You say, what do you mean by that? I mean, is he more than just your Savior? Is he your Lord? What does Christ mean to you? Because if he's just your Savior and he's not your Lord, you have a problem, my friend. Because he is both Lord and Savior. And if he's only your Savior, you're going to forget about him all year long until Christmas time. And then you're going to sing the carols. And then come January, you're going to forget him again. But if he's your Lord, then he'll be your Lord on a Monday as well as on a Sunday. He'll be your Lord in January as well as in December. He will be your Lord. Are you serving your Lord? What does Jesus really mean to you? You want to know the best Christmas gift you can give to Jesus. Because it's his birthday. Is you give him your heart. You give him your heart and your life. You give him the strength of your youth. You give him what he has given you. You serve him with an open hand policy. Lord, everything I have, it's because of you. You've blessed me with a life, with health with a certain amount of wealth. You've blessed me with certain abilities. You've blessed me with family, a car, a home, and many other things we could say. And what some people do is they close up those fingers and they hold it tight. Thank you, Lord. You can't have any. We need to serve him with an open hand policy. Lord, you put in whatever you want me to have. You take out whatever you don't want me to have. If there's something, Lord, you need to do in my life, you go ahead and do it. Lord, if I can only serve you, if somehow you cripple me, then, Lord, you have my blessing. You go ahead and cripple me. If I can only serve you, if you take from me my wealth, then, Lord, you take my wealth. Because you make no mistake, Lord, and I love you, Lord. And I want to encourage you to make a prayer like that today. And start now 
giving your best gift to Jesus. Would you stand to your feet, please?